What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining and listening to a Texas Barbecue Show episode. We got Certified Angus Beef Brands Executive Chef Michael Olier joining us. Super excited about this interview. I'm a huge, huge user of a cab at a Market Street here, local Mansfield, Texas. Um, absolutely love the consistency and the product that they're doing. So excited to hear what Michael has to say. Y'all enjoy. Hey, Michael, how are you? Brandon, I'm well. How are you? Doing good, man. How are things in Ohio right now? Colder than you, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I think we're in, I don't even know, we're, we're 50s maybe. I don't want to hear it. I know you're going to say like 50s and sunny or something. Nice. <laughs> clear skies or something. Unfortunately, oh, it's clear yeah. skies today. It's just cold. It's That's just cold. cold. I got you. Well, it's supposed to be cold. It's January, right? That's right. It's supposed to be 30s. <laughs> awesome, man. So I'm taking a different approach to my uh, interview deal. So I'm going to, you know, obviously I'm interviewing to interviewing you today or right now, but then later I'm going to do the rest of the video. That way I can just sit here and actually talk and not worry about making sure this one scene was going to come right over to when you called. So basically we're just, just going to talk. I'm going to try to see how this goes for me. Cause I get nervous. Got with, it. So normally you go right more live. Well, uh, I mean, usually it's, it's not necessarily live, but I, I record it from literally start to finish. So I usually I would, you know, already be going 15 minutes ago and then it should be about the time where I go to the next scene and boom, we interview and then cut out. I'll talk to him with my buddies, but it's just me today. So yeah, we're just going to knock out some interviews okay. and I'll do all the cool stuff tomorrow or something before I release it. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Cool, Very man. good. Well, everybody, this is Michael. Is it Olier? Did I say it right? Olier. Olier. I knew I was going to get something wrong. Can't get it right. All right. Well, Michael, uh, first and foremost, introduce everyone. Um, who you are and your position at Certified Angus Beef Brand. Sure. Michael Olier, Senior Corporate Chef at Certified Angus Beef. So Olier. Okay. That's easy. <laughs> Not so easy, but, you know, fancy French name. But well, it's easy once you Simple told me. guy from Ohio. That's all I am. Cool, cool. That's awesome, man. So the history is deep, obviously. Um, what can, what, can you give us a good summary on CAB? I mean, I got, I got time. We can record up to three hours, <laughs> but if you want to give me a, a good summary on, you know, when and how, you know, Certified Angus Beef Brand started, it's, it's kind of like sure. an autobiography of, of Certified Angus Beef Brand. Just sure, kind of yeah, the, the history is rich, and I think we should kind of set the stage on the beginnings of, uh, really, the humble beginnings of the brand and how it got started. Um, this is the 70s we're talking about, so amidst bell bottoms and whatever else you can conjure up the 70s. One thing that was happening in food was a war on fat. So it was it was lean times, meaning that the quality that we know now was nowhere near. Um, it, at that time, it was no near, nowhere near what it is now. And it was really about the the amount of marbling in, in the cut, which we'll get to as we talk about the, the rich history and how important marbling is. But at that time, the war on fat kind of led itself to um, an opportunity for Angus ranchers. So Angus uh, ranchers, and that's what the Certified Angus Beef is, is founded on and, and owned by actually. We're a nonprofit under the American Angus Association. So do you have, do you have any dogs, Brandon? Yeah, I have two of them. Yep. Okay, so if you were uh, a breed association for dog breeds, 
right? So the pedigree and keeping that pedigree true or right. accurate, what would that umbrella be called in dogs, in the dog world? What the, What is that called? Pedigree or AKC or? That's it. So like okay. the breed association of each one. So if you have Labrador and you wanted it to be a cure or, so it's the same with cattle. There's, there's associations for each breed okay. and the Angus is, is super popular now, but it, it really wasn't as popular then. Um, that breed is exceptional to create great beef, um, genetically predisposed to do so, but it wasn't really, um, getting the attention it deserves. So it was an Angus rancher who actually was eating a steak in Chicago and he ordered, cause it said, someone put on the menu, it said Angus steak. And he's like, well, I raise Angus. I want to, I'm going to eat this steak and see. And it was, it was not a good eating experience. It didn't eat well. And he said, well, this is something we can do about this. It's, we know that this breed can create great steaks. So it was, it was that little spark that a letter he wrote to the Angus Association said, we can do better. And then it was a connection with the Ohio State University to create science-based specifications so they could look at the evaluation of the carcass and say, okay, if the carcass meets these specifications, then those criteria met means a great eating experience. So it was really through a bad eating experience that we now have these opportunities to have a consistent great eating experience in certified Angus beef. That's kind of a convoluted way to get to where we are, but is that clear in your head? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's that gotta, makes sense. Everyone's got to learn some way. We always fail, and then we pick ourselves back up and and, and keep going. So it kind of seems like that's what happened. It always takes a fail to kind of realize what you need to do to keep pushing. Yeah, and 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 I guess what it goes back to is is Angus is a breed, and it's a it's a great starting point. But we only take the best of that breed in our brand. So in real numbers. Only one in three of those cattle are going to meet the certified as beef brand. And so, you know, fast forward 40 plus years later, those 10 specifications are in place and they happen at the packing plant level. So when the animals are brought to harvest, then it is a USDA grader on the line of a packing plant that says, hey, okay, these specifications have been met. As a result, it can have the logo of certified as beef and leave the packing plant in a package as certified as beef. And then it goes through the distribution chain of a food service distributor onto restaurant or to retail. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. That's, um, I've always knew it was a, obviously a certified deal. There's so many steps. It, the biggest deal for me was consistency with y'all and forever to, you know, foreseeing the future where most of these black, and we might be off off the topic of what you were actually talking about, but there's so many different black Angus cattle farms out there that just, you know, all of a sudden start putting it out. Everybody has it. And all of a sudden they cut everybody off and everyone's trying to find another one and find another one. I don't, y'all are doing great. I've always been using y'all through my uh, distributor Cisco just because of the consistency, everything is, I mean, literally you, like you said, you have to go from point A to point B and you have to go through so many different, you know, rules and, check marks and stuff. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. That's a good point. I think that we're at, in our position where we are as chefs or pit masters or those that are working with food or we're caterers or right. those that get that in the vacuum seal, we get that brisket. We don't really know its story. Um, we, we have an idea of what that story might be. We have some, maybe some insight or have a friend that might know some more, but really it's that where we're trying to open up that 
door for people so they can understand what it really is like for the rancher to raise that product. So if I could just spend a little time talking about just so people have an idea of what it's like on the other side of that window, because for us, it's an open door. We, we have no secrets and it's, it's all out there. And we'd like to share that story a lot with people. One thing that we do is we take uh, chefs or pit masters, those that are working with our product to some degree, we take them on, um, we we host them here a lot at culinary center in Worcester, Ohio, at the headquarters of certified ASB. Or we'll take them out into the rancher community on what we call a, a chef tour, where we take them to a, a ranch, a packing plant, a feed yard, so they can really see what it's really like in awesome. the beef community. One thing I want to share is, is the typical rancher who raises Angus cattle, hopefully meeting our brand, these are family operations. 98% of, of uh, farms, ranches are family owned. And so these are families just trying to pass on, I shouldn't say just, this is a big operation, meaning that it's a big undertaking to take on this lifestyle and they want to pass this lifestyle on to the next generation. These are the original, uh, as far as thought process goes towards sustainability, they're the original sustainable model in our country, meaning five generations, six generations worth of passing on this farm, that is a sustainable operation to pass on to your kids. That's a pretty awesome deal. So, yeah, I mean, you did you you like I said, you the podium is yours. If you want to keep sharing stuff that you don't know or you haven't you know shared before on other podcasts or just you want to bring something, I want to try to get this channel out to as many people in the in the I guess the average Joe world, not just the pit masters. I mean, I want everyone that's going to Academy, Ace Hardware, Home Depot, all your just your normal backyard retail customers. That that's that's who I'm targeting. So where most are maybe doing it a little bit smaller target. My area is huge. So this is your, this is why I'm giving everyone chances to tell that whole story, tell that autobiography, you know, because everything now is an audible uh, book. Basically this podcast is an audible book. It's a audible, you know, how to for when I do like tutorials or if it's, you know, so yeah, the, like I said, the podium is yours and I, you got right. all the time to keep sharing whatever you want to share. Cause it's all you. I don't know anything. That's why I'm learning. Well, with everybody of, else. <laughs> a lot of, it's, I, appreciate it. The, a lot of questions that people have about, you know, how is this animal raised and how do I know that, um, the, how do I feel? It, and really what it, it comes down to is people want to feel good about um, what they're eating and the story behind what they're eating. And so I can tell you that with my insight and my experience walking side by side with ranchers, as I understand their story more and more, because I don't come from that background. I come from um, just typical suburbia kid. Um, outside of Cincinnati is where I grew up. But I mean, in Texas, you get a little more, you've got a little more land. So you, you get a little more touches with, with cattle that we don't get, um, um, that most people don't get, I should right. say. Um, a little more insight on their life. It's, it's yeah, I shared that it's about passing on that generation, but let's talk about what it like it's like to actually raise that cattle and, and what it takes to it's a two-year process for them. It's about genetics and it's also about how they raise them. So the starting point with superior genetics is gives them a leg up, but that's half the equation really. It's what they do um, with those calves and raising them that becomes potentially certified Angus beef. So if a rancher says, hey, I raised certified Angus beef, you're like, wait a minute, you're raising Angus cattle. 
with the hopes of becoming certified ASB because mm. it, it doesn't become branded until it's a carcass. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. So if you see a, a logo, our logo out on a farm that says, hey, we raise certified ASB, you're like, all right, well, the best ranchers meeting our brand are about 80% of their herd can meet our brand because they're raising really well. And that's wow. exceptional. That's exceptional if 80% of theirs can make it. But generally, crazy. it's a lot lower than that. I got you. Okay. But, uh, I mean, black hided is, is, is what we're talking about. That's the starting point. If you see Angus out there, it's the black hided cattle out there, which is becoming more and more the norm. Yeah. So that, that uh, kind of goes into my next question. So is it's black Angus cattle? Is it a certain breed? I mean, of course, you know, we got Angus in the name. So kind of share what breed of cattle, because there's kind of different ones. You know, people talk about the Wagyu different. That's another story. We'll get to the very. Yeah. Next. So Angus, Angus, like I shared is a breed and it's, it's what we consider is a great starting point for quality beef, but it's amidst, you know, the herd out there in this country has a lot of different breeds in it. Um, and we're looking to promote the Angus genetics and the Angus breed, but heck Hereford, uh, actually can marble well, Holstein can marble well. Um, but for us, it's the black hided cattle that is, is Angus. And that's who we work for is the Angus association to promote the Angus breed. Okay. Awesome. Um, that being said, you know, you've got lots of, uh, fast food joints that are, that promote Angus as an indicator of quality. And we have to forewarn people that is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of attached to the success of the certified Angus beef brand and the quality that's been consistently proven through our brand that they're attaching that to. So it's kind of like the halo effect that now we are find most of our time educating people like the difference between certified Angus beef brand and just the word Angus and what it means to be our brand. Awesome. Man, there's a, we get, we got a, a lot to talk about or we, that we can. So yeah. you got a, so certified Angus beef, this is on my mind. It's um, at Muya Burgers. Is that correct? As, as far as. Yeah, the, it uh, is. Food places? Yeah, there's a. That's a great one. That Muya's fantastic burgers. I don't know if it's one of your favorite. Yeah. But well, we got one local. It's um, honestly, it's the only one that I know that's a quick place to get something to eat. Kind of that's not a sit down restaurant that right is, that has certified Angus beef that I know of so far. <laughs> right. So I don't know if you there have a couple you. you can share. What about Muya or, or about others? You know a like couple other. That... Yeah, do you know a couple other chains that have burgers that are certified Angus beef brand um, beef? Yeah, so Smash Burgers, one in kind of the Midwest that has certified Angus beef. Okay, we got Smash. That's another one. You have Smash Burgers yep, too. Yep. Like that would that would be one. Um, and and Muya, but then there's, um, of the larger chains, we're not as as involved with those. Got it. Um, but those are two great examples. I mean, in the in the DFW area, you've got um, stores, and then you have some barbecue joints and steakhouses that have our brand, but. I mean, heck, you've got some of the best barbecue, of course, in the world. And you guys say that you, when you, when it comes out with the top 50, you are the um, the best in the world. So if someone says a hey, top 50 Texas barbecue, that means top 50 in the world. And I, I wouldn't necessarily argue with that. Uh, but your stores, what is the, um, you've got a. Market Street, it would be. Market Street yeah. Supermarket, right? You've got one in Plano, I think. Yeah. Yep. And then. La Michoacana. Oh, am I pronounce, pronouncing that oh, right? Oh, Micocina. Yeah, the uh, Mex Micocina. Forgive me. Yeah. Yep. Is it is that a, a store? It should. That should be a Micocina. Should be a Mexican restaurant. 
I was thinking it was, um, you've got stores, like a dozen of them in the DFW area, but it's La Mikokana. Oh, man, you got me. <laughs> anyway, the point is, if you're, those that are listening beyond just the DFW area, yeah. if you've got, um, just key in your zip code on our website and you can find out where to buy either the, um, you can key in if it's a, you want to find a restaurant or if you want to find a grocery store carrying certified MSB. You know, one thing, Brandon, I think we might want to talk about is you know, we talk about the rancher life and what it means to to raise cattle and how to get quality um, into a package. But what's quality look like in a cut? Um, it's I, I touched on marbling a little bit, but I want to dive a little deeper into our specifications. Um, the one I talk about all the time is the abundance of marbling and what that translates to in a consistent grade eating experience. Um, certified as beef has to be modest or higher marbling. So in the USDA grading scale, you have, most people are familiar when they shop, you have select, and then better than that is choice, and then better than that is prime. So those are the tiers. So where we live in marbling score is the best of choice and into prime on marbling. Are you you familiar with the USDA grading yep. scale? Or do you think people are okay? Yeah, so, I actually just posted the. Uh, I, I made a post on a Rackatat barbecue page of my uh, interview with you, and I actually posted y'all's um, image that shows the upper two thirds of higher choice and then prime as well. I'm trying to pull that up on my screen so people that are watching the, this YouTube video on tomorrow evening they can see it. So, but yes, got it. I think that's important because when people shop for beef, they're inundated with a lot of marketing claims. Mm -hmm. And it's important to let's talk about science and the proven um, proven worth of marbling, the proven worth of the specs that we have, and what that translates to for you as a cooker or for you at home cooking a steak or, or whether you're smoking a, a brisket or whatever you're doing with, or buying a steak at the store or ordering one at a restaurant. You know, what that, what's that translate to? And you'd mentioned consistency, and I'd say that's the most important thing. Yep, absolutely what that marbling gives you, it's consistently, we have consistently above, we're modest and above. So that's, that eliminates the vast majority of choice that just doesn't have enough marbling. And that's when we talked about the Angus and certified Angus beef, that's what kicks out the vast majority of those Angus cattle that just don't have enough marbling. Um, percentage wise, that's what will kick out the most is, is that. Sizing is another important thing we have three different specifications that address sizing. Uh, carcasses are getting, animals are being raised to be larger and larger. And we want to kind of put a cue to the, the um, ranchers that we don't want them to see. We don't want to see that trend continue. Right. And so in, so we have a carcass specification that limits it to a hot carcass weight of 1,050 pounds. That's one thing that helps limit that weight. Then also we have a ribeye area that's limited so that, if you're ordering ribeyes, for example, you're ordering briskets, you're trying to get a consistent size in that. Yep. And so by an evaluation of that 11 to 16 inch ribeye area, that way uh, we don't have these huge briskets and the, they're huge ribs in the same box as we do um, really tiny ones. So consistency is super important. That's, yeah, that's it. How many, um, well, what was the best way to say it? So you, what are your range for your pounds on your brisket? So if people are going to uh, Market Street or, or going to any 
store to get a certified Angus beef yeah. prime or just the yeah I don't know what that translates to in the in the actual weight of a brisket it helps limit it but I'll be honest with you the brisket is the most variable cut of the whole animal so it's we're kind of set up for a challenge yeah. here in in those that are in the in the cooking briskets world a packer is is putting out you know hundreds and thousands of briskets and you're going to have a, a small eight pounder land in the same back box as a 13, 15. Pounds. It's just going to happen. Gotcha. Um, so if you have a, a food service distributor that sorts for you, that's, that's ideal. So if you're a large barbecue chain, like blacks or very blacks or Heim, or you've got all kinds in your area. Heim is a great example in your area, by right. the way, have you been there? Yeah. Heim barbecue. Yeah, I have. But if you've got, if their distributor can sort for you, meaning they'll put in the box uh, similar weights, that's ideal for someone who's cooking as many as as those guys. Right. Because they're putting in hundreds of briskets, their cook needs to be pretty accurate. Oh, definitely. It definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, for Certified Angus Beef, we're going to be talk just kind of give the social plugs for people to kind of see different content oh yeah we're all over yep. we're all over the social channels so on instagram um, we also have a meat speak podcast uh, instagram facebook it's all you can all look it up at certifiedangusbeef.com or certified angus beef or cert angus beef got all kinds of hashtags attached <laughs> to it also but certified angus beef you'll find all of those awesome all social channels and a really big one i think everyone should look for is uh, look on your instagram and your stories, I think you always have. Um, I, it, it might be on y'all story or somebody else. Um, oh, I forget her name that does all the dry aging. Sorry for not knowing <laughs> her name. You mean um, uh, on Jess Priles or no, 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 inside it, Beef Maven here? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, inside y'all's spot in the culinary center in our area. Yeah, let me talk a little bit about what we do here in our culinary center. So, um, Beef Maven, if you want to look her up, she's she's Diana Clark. She's got a. That's it. Um, she's our meat scientist. Um, pretty exceptional too. So you want to get some insight onto a little deeper into what happens here and what she does when we host people breaking down carcasses, like, an un it's just unbelievable how she can break down a carcass. I've seen some um, of the uh, stories. It looks pretty in awesome. our dry age stuff that you talk. Yeah, yep. it's good stuff. So follow her on Instagram, beef maven. be great to get her some more um, followers. Cool. Um, my channel is tallow be thy name. Um, and we kind of, touch on like, like the inside where I travel and what I do and insights here into my world and kind of behind the scenes, behind the scenes in the beef community. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so tallow be thy name, my personal one and beef maven, but Diana Clark, when we host people here, um, a lot of people don't get to see beyond just a vacuum sealed product that comes to them, whether it's a full ribeye, a really large one bone in maybe, but that might, that might be as big as they get to see or a whole chuck roll or, um, like you probably bring in for catering events, right? Right. Yep. Um, or um, full briskets. So to be able to break down a whole forequarter or, or hindquarter and get to see exactly where all those cuts come from is pretty special experience. And that's what we do here at our culinary center. We have a full refrigerated educational area where we can hang carcasses on a rail and break down for demonstration purposes. And um, it's, it's a full experience that most people don't, don't get to have. And how do you uh, get invited to that um, experience? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hot ticket to get lately. Um, we're, we're packed all the time. And it, it really is 
we're trying, it's a business to business operation. So we're trying to work with those that are using our product and make them successful. That's really in the end what our goal is, is to make those using certified ASP successful in what they're doing. So in the instance of a retailer, so in the instance of your local grocery store who's using certified Angus beef, we want them to have the experience to have a meat cutting experience or um, ideas that they could do their meat case in a certain way. We can go through that. Those in the restaurant world who work with chefs all over the world and they would come in here and we might do menu ideation. We might do uh, carcass breakdowns together okay. and then learn more deeply about our brand so they can be an advocate for our brand. In the end, we've got so many people that are uh, in the certifying as beef brand tribe that kind of want to tell the story and we're hoping that it's, that's accurate. And so we just arm them with, with the facts and um, they become more and more passionate about our brand by spending time with us here. Okay. Awesome. So what is your day by day? What do you, you know, what's your, yeah, what's your schedule? What do you do? Day by day is, <laughs> is what I love about um, my specific day to day is it's always different. Before you call it, I'm working on a spreadsheet to uh, work with Operation Barbecue Relief through 2020, where we're going to be involved with them through events through the year. So awesome. really right now, I'm busy on planning. 2020 to make sure it's it's more special than the year before awesome making sure our resources to all the people that we work with are better than before so day-to-day -day for me i specifically work with our photo team and our recipe development so that we have a, a test kitchen also so internally we create recipes and they do recipe testing so we can put those those out to consumers and that's really ends up being very retail focused so grocery store um, those buying our brand would have success with beef. Got it. Also, we have a channel, our YouTube channel. We do videos, so we work on video content, and then I would be part of that. Whether I'm, I'm actually on the video, whether we're creating the the kind of the format through the year, and the, what we want to hit and the topics we want to cover. Just like you work on with podcasts, you, right. you want to make sure you hit the things that are relevant to your audience, right? So we want to be relevant, also. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, underappreciated cuts. Do you, <clears throat> yeah, do you, um, so of, of course y'all go through, y'all have different cuts with that Black Angus cattle. Is there one that y'all don't see that just doesn't move as quick as the others? And then with barbecue being such a, a big deal right now, is there any of those underappreciated cuts that you're seeing that aren't moving that maybe I could utilize during like a pop-up or a special event to, kind of bring back a, a trend or bring back some, some motion to a, a cut that, you know, doesn't get utilized very often. That's a really good question because as you probably experience, I mean, brisket is huge. Brisket is big. And then now let's, let's, let's just start here that <laughs> the animals had these, the same muscles in them for centuries. Right. And, and, we're, we're now more than ever kind of breaking down each muscle and pulling them out and learning more about their characteristics and seeing their value for what they are. Um, and in the end, we have to have an avenue for every single cut on the carcass. And so that's important. And, and they have trends and some become more popular and some are more popular overseas, for example, than they are here. Um, for example, the tongue that, uh, 
comes off the animal, it, it, they'll pay three times that overseas than they will here in the wow. States um, or other cuts. And that short rib, for example, we, is becoming hugely popular here, but there's a challenge for supply because so many people want them in the Asian culture too. So short ribs are super popular overseas too. Okay. So there are challenges for who wants that cut. In, in Texas, it's the brisket. In California, it's the tri-tip. Yeah. Um, a lot of opportunities throughout the carcass exist. So if you're looking to smoke things, um, the chuck roll is one that I think is underutilized for smokers. Yeah, definitely. I would saying, say so. You, you don't need to use the whole chuck roll um, at once. I, I, I've experimented a lot with this. Like it's a 16 to 20 pound chunk of meat, folks. So when you put that in there and try to smoke the whole thing, um, the smoke doesn't penetrate enough in the center. It becomes too roasty, uh, which can be fine for pull apart and more of a roast pulled sandwich. But I prefer if you kind of take that whole chunk and lop it into um, maybe three to five chunks that are three to five pounds each. And then you smoke that and you get more surface area of smoke. It's a shorter cook time. And then it becomes a pull apart. The best beef sandwich I've had is from that chuck roll because it's it, the chuck is the most highly marbled area. The, okay. the forequarter of the animal is more marbled than the, the rear part. So that's why mom's pot roast, grandma's pot roast is so dang good because it's so much marbling. And that's why ground chuck is so good because it has so much marbling in it. Gotcha. So that chuck roll, you could get, I mean, you, you get a lot of probably different kinds of cuts just from one chuck roll or different kinds of, I guess, recipes, like you said, ground chuck. I mean, you could get. You could, yeah, you get yeah. ground chuck, you do braised pull, items. Pull beef, right? Is that right? Is that what you would make out of it? Pull beef sandwiches? Yeah, pull beef. Okay. And then also there's a muscle on it that is part of the uh, short rib complex, the serratus ventralis. And if, if that's pulled off, those are called Denver steaks. If you can, And those can be high heat, direct cooked steaks. If you're knowledgeable enough to know where to pull the Denver's off of. Okay. You have a butcher that knows where those are. I gotcha, I gotcha. So and Denver steaks are a good one. Um, uh, but people that come in the grocery store and start asking for Denver steaks, it's, <laughs> it's going to take someone that has expertise to really know where that comes from. But that's a great eating experience. It's super rich. Denver steak. I'm going to um, have to go to Market Street and see if they can uh, cut me one today. See if they can pull you <laughs> some Denver steaks. See what I started. Man. Um, <laughs> and then there's some that are like skirt steak related. I think a lot of people don't know about. And some of these I'm talking about are a little more restaurant food service related, but that's all right. I think yeah, that's, that's still what we're talking about. Skirt steak is a really great eating experience. Um, but there's the sirloin flap in the bottom sirloin area that is is like that in its fiber, but people don't know about it as much. It's called the, if it's cut into steaks, it's called the bavette steak. Um, but if the whole thing is used, it's called a sirloin flap. And that's exceptional, great eating experience. Just, it could just be salt and pepper just thrown on a high heat grill and then cut against the grain like you do skirt steak for a fantastic eating experience, whether it's tacos or whether it's just, um, yeah, it, it's super versatile. And so you said sirloin, uh, what else? sirloin what else? flap was called bavette? Sirloin flap, yeah. If you look up the bavette, okay. that's, that, that's if it's staked out in steak portions. Got it. It's called the bavette, yeah. And then what else? So what about, um, what, what's your take on beef belly? I'm, a, oh. I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad belly. you brought that up. I love beef belly. So those that don't know, it's, it's, it's really the same navel portion that you would do from hogs. So you'd cut out that same plate area and that portion then would be uh, smoked ideally you would smoke it and you could create your own beef bacon um, 
which we do here actually quite a bit. We, we also cure it. So we do a either wet brine or you can do dry um, for like a 10 day brine and then put it in your smoker. Oh, so good. The thing is like beef bacon doesn't eat the same as pork bacon. It's different. Right. I like it better as like lardons or dice or cube like, like that than I do in full slices. Okay. Okay. What I, I take slices. a beef belly and I cube it up. So I just trim a little bit of the hard fat off and I actually cube it up season. it. So I, I treat it like pork belly burn ends. So just like Got a it. pork belly slab, cube it up, season it up, smoke it all in cubes where some people take the whole deal, smoke it, then cube it up where if you cube it, cube it up at first, you know, you get that season all around. You get that smoke penetration all around. You get it even bark all the way around. I don't know why people don't do it that way. But yeah, I love beef belly and good beef belly burn ins. It's a that's a it's that's like a great idea. tasty bites of sirloin. To me, it it tastes just like a darn good steak. I don't know yep. what yeah. So that's a that's a one I've done a couple times at a TX Whiskey at their distillery here in Fort Worth. I did the beef belly burn ins and those went I think probably within fifteen minutes. Oh so, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. It was, it was awesome. That's brilliant. <laughs> the people are asking me a lot sometimes, like, "Hey, give me an alternative to to burn ends. Like, give me a cut other than the brisket point." Right. Because they're they're struggling to find sources for it, and so we're experimenting with different cuts. And and some people are actually using some round cuts. And it depends on what you're used to in an EB experience whether you think that's going to work. But in the end, that's not a burn end. That's not a traditional brisket point. And so using a cut from the round is, is, is going to be a much different eating experience, much inferior. But one that's working is, is, is from the chuck. So it's actually boneless chuck short ribs. So that's working. It's, it's actually an extension of that Denver from the chuck that we talked about, the serrated spintralis muscle. But that cubed up can create fantastic burn-in type experience. So nice. it's another alternative. Okay, okay. Uh, short ribs. I think, you know, because you're Texas, you understand short ribs as those big dinosaur ones as the plate short ribs. Right. Yeah, but those yeah. that aren't, yeah, those that aren't bound to that could find a really great opportunity in the chuck short ribs. So if you buy plate short ribs, you buy that and it's like a three bone and they're maybe seven to 10 inches long. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. What you get. Yeah. 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 For chuck short ribs, it's a four bone piece and it's it's shorter. But I think that the lean to fat ratio is actually better on the chuck short ribs because the plate will have that really large chunk of fat, especially on the one side. Right. Um, but on chuck short ribs, it's a more consistent lean to fat ratio through that whole four bone experience, but they're smaller bones. And so a lot of people don't think that's as great of a plate experience or a presentation because it's a shorter bone. But the eating experience is exceptional. So those at home, they want to do some smoking and some short ribs, buy chuck and try chuck short ribs and smoke those um, or braise them. And that's fantastic and a better value, actually, because they're cheaper. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to the store to get uh, chuck short ribs. Yeah. Denver steaks. There you go. Denver steaks. There we go. (laughs) What else? And you're going to ask about the vet. Yeah. I need some beef belly, too. (laughs) And beef belly. Yeah, and they'll be like, oh man, you're gonna be my worst nightmare as a customer, is what this butcher's gonna say. <laughs> they they like me over there. The uh Rory uh Brown, he's the uh meat manager at Market Street, so he's always been able to take care of me. He's he orders the the prime briskets uh, I guess through wherever they buy them just for me. <laughs> nice. Because no one the 
I guess around no one's really getting them. They're no one's pushing. I guess the prime. There, I mean, a lot of the the choice, the upper choice is what's pushing out there. So yeah, he only keeps them around just for me when I need them. I'm really surprised <laughs> because we're seeing a, a big uptick in the amount of certified ASB brand prime that is out there and demanded for. So we're might be uh, a marketing deal. Countrywide, <laughs> we're seeing a lot more prime being used, and maybe that's the challenge for you as as a normal consumer. That you, well. You're, you're different. I don't mean to say that, but no, most, no, I'm a little bit of everything. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, but, but if you're not buying, you know, hundred cases a week, then, then you may not be getting the, there's a lot of certifying speed brand prime briskets going to smoke houses that are using that kind of volume. And so because of that, we have a demand issue where you, it's harder to get for the average person. It's like, Hey, I want to do a weekend cook. I'm in a competition or I'm whatever. Um, but that's where we can compete is is in certified ASB brand prime. If you're on the comp circuit, then then that might be one to look at for consistently consistency. For sure. Yeah. Well, if um, you have anything upcoming, any kind of breakout news, upcoming news that you want to share with everyone on internet radio, because basically this is be international. I mean, I know we're international internet radio. Everything. Well, I talked a little bit about the allegiance that people have, like to our brand and there is a lot of like our tribe is becoming bigger and more passionate uh one thing we're launching launching this year is is something called our stakeholder rewards and so it's just like um like a frequent shopper type idea that it's just to engage our customers that love certified its beef like if you go to starbucks and you have your frequent card and you get points for that right. it's similar to that and that we want to engage and kind of celebrate those people that appreciate certified ingus beef so more and more you're going to see when you shop for certified ingus beef that'll be captured on a receipt it'll have our brand on it and then we're going to work with all of these retailers across the country to um to have promotional tips uh, points attached to it and then we're going to interact with them directly to get all kinds of cool swag to them and things like that. So certified English beef brand swag is going to be the, the 2020 hot thing to have, I think. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I got something that's off of, that's not necessarily a CAB uh, question, but it's more of a, it's a barbecue question for you. And I heard you talk about on one of the podcasts you were on. So when you think of Texas barbecue, what, what do you personally interpret Texas barbecue? Now, I think you were saying something about just salt and pepper. Is that what you think of as Texas barbecue? Well, what barbecue? I understand and, and what I feel like most people understand as Texas barbecue is is salt, pepper, and post oak. But, but I, you know, it's so big. Texas is so huge that it's, it's, it's kind of unfair to pigeonhole Texas as just central Texas barbecue. There you go. Yeah, that, I was going to say, and when I heard you say that, I was like, you know what? That's central Texas barbecue because yeah. the rest of us ain't – we're doing way more. I mean, you can get way yeah. more flavor profiles with other seasonings, right? And salt and pepper. <laughs> and I guess where maybe my the interpretation of what I wish I had said was just that, like it's so much more than that, and that's what Central Texas is. Right. But those that are that are bound to, and we've had these conversations with uh, like blacks before, because they they have this obligation to kind of be true to their heritage mm -hmm. and be true to that, and so. How are they able to break? They can't buy chuck short ribs, for example. They have to be true to the plate short rib. They have to be true to the, they have to carry those two things all the time and they have to just use salt and pepper and post up. That's what they have to do. 
because people would freak out if they did anything differently. But if you don't have that obligation, it's it's kind of the, the world is your oyster. You have all these options. You could be buying the chuck roll and doing all these crazy things and bringing in the sirloin flap and doing all these other uh, crazier things with barbecue. And that's what's great to see is this explosion of barbecue across the, the country and the world, actually. Yeah, for um, sure. Whether it's a sauce thing or not, whether it's mustard or tomato base or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and vinegar base. But I have a great appreciation for, and I have a great appreciation for Central Texas because that's what changed my life and became the kind of the flashpoint of now I appreciate barbecue I'm like I've ever had before. That was the flashpoint awesome. for me. But <laughs> I appreciate all, what all of these cultures have done and all these regions have done. I like more acid on on brisket than most people. So I appreciate more vinegar on it than, than most do. I don't like the sweet stuff as much, but that's me, you know? Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, I, can, I guess that's what we love about barbecue is that we all can come to the table and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. There's we so all are it, welcome. It's all di- It's diverse. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways to like, you know, to do one cut of meat. There's so many different ways to present it, to prepare it. And there's so many different opinions on, what we all like, but we all like the same thing, barbecue. So it, it works exactly. out. I do love the, the barbecue table. community. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on with me. We actually did 40 minutes already. What? Yeah, 40 minutes Man, and 43 I seconds. Long-winded. I, I got to <laughs> learn to just cut it off. You got to cut me off. <laughs> it works for me because I don't – yeah, it works for me. Make we, sure you edit the heck out of it, though. Yeah, but I will say those that we get to interact with in the barbecue world, if we happen to cross paths and I'm fortunate enough to meet you folks out in the, the barbecue world or wherever, I'd, I'd love to continue the conversation. Absolutely, I'm sure we'll do a part two sometime soon. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can and do we'll a part have you two. Here, Brandon, I was I, we'll have to have yeah. part two here. So yeah, we exactly. Here. <laughs> Let's work on that, my friend. Exactly, brother. Exactly, man. Well, I appreciate it, everybody. This is Michael Olier with certified angus beef and i appreciate you being on and telling the story of cabin i hope people will listen uh go try it out themselves educate themselves on it by reading up and you know just piggybacking off what we've said and looking at it for themselves because everyone they can hear it, but if they get on the website and look through the story look through the rancher stories they'll they'll be like okay i see what they were saying on the podcast so yeah everybody look at certifiedanguisbeef.com And uh, I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it, guys. Michael Olier, the executive chef of Certified Angus Beef Brands in Worcester, Ohio. Thank y'all for listening to this podcast. I believe this is episode eight of the Texas Barbecue Show. So I appreciate y'all listening. I promise the content will get better and better and I will get better at being a radio voice. So thank y'all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Texas Barbecue Show on YouTube or visit Rack Attack BBQ on Facebook and Instagram for all those barbecue pictures. Y'all take care. Love ya. And we out.